Nassau, Brooklyn, let's fucking go! Look at all of our Omicron star Dukar warriors. Warsaw, Brooklyn. It is so wonderful to be back on stage at the end of the night and our home base of operations, Brooklyn, New York. Give yourselves a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen. So, it's great to be back on stage, though. I mean, uh, we, like, our, our first actual live show in front of an audience was last week in Buffalo, New York. And like I said, you know, it's, it's, it's on your guys' backs tonight what's finally going to determine what is the best city in New York. Buffalo or the city the state is named after. So just keep that in mind tonight. But I, I will say, Felix did look this up. In the week following our live show in Buffalo ended the season, COVID cases in Erie County have dropped. Going down. Yeah. Going down. We will have the boys at the merch booth after this to do a lay on hands. Uh, you know, to, to transfer their psychic power. If you've got uh, yeah. uh, any of the COVID variants, uh, scrofula, uh, Pope's, Wait, Pope's leg, whatever you have, we'll cure it. Hold on, I got my, uh, I got my uh, Santa hat here. I'm just going to do uh, Benny Hinn style. I'm just going to be, get out! Get out, demons! Get out! Okay, there we go. Uh, I don't know if you noticed or not, but Matt, Chris, and Ami are wearing Santa hats tonight. That's true, we are. Mine didn't... Yeah, okay. Felix is not for... Yeah, interesting, interesting. For, I wonder why. For reasons. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, first of all, first of all, first of all, if you really, like, love your religion, you don't have to need to wear it on your sleeve. I think I'm a bigger fan of Christmas than anyone on the stage or in this building right now. The hat, in fact, Chris, did drop not... That, drop that sound. Let's get sound drop. Wait, which one? Uh, Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> this thing is a sampler as well. Bye-bye. No, it's not a bye-bye. I'm about to explain myself. Wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. This is my favorite one. No, it, it was too tight on my head. It was far too tight on my head. How is your head That's bigger... That's what you say about condoms. <laughs> How is your head bigger than Will's giant Irish potato knife? I have a wider head. Okay. A wider head. Yes. Okay. It's okay. not like putting the Santa cap on made it burn for any reason, you know? No. Maybe your responsibility for the death of anyone. I mean, you can't, you can't really have Christmas without the crucifixion. <laughs> like, have you actually thought about this? Your, you know, your holiday? Okay. He isn't crucified. He's just, he's like the number two in the Quran, which is pretty good. Most people aren't even in the Quran, you know? But there isn't even, there isn't even like a gift-giving day for when Muhammad was born. That's you think true. the number two, you think Isa is getting one? No, there's no Christmas unless he dies. Yeah. That's, that's a, you know what? I just thought, that's crazy. Islam, they've got like a third of the world population, the world's fastest growing religion, and they have no gift holidays. How the hell did that happen? Every day living in submission to Allah is a gift. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and that's why it's called the present. Uh, Chris, did you drop the uh, I'm a cisgender millennial? I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. <laughs> yes, that's right. We are the first podcast, and I want this on the record, to use a soundboard. 
and it's our first time ever tonight at the show. But like I said, this isn't our first ever live performance, so I'd like to take us, like to take us back, back in time a little bit to uh, up until Buffalo last week. But, you know, like this is officially our first live show back. Buffalo is, doesn't count. Because this is New York City, baby. This is Brooklyn, New York. It's been, it's been two years. Our last live show was in San Francisco, California, <laughs> right before the California primary. <laughs> uh, it was like basically the, like, right before the world ended. And I, I just want to make, I just want to point out that on March 1st, 2020, on the front page of the New York Times, A1 above the fold, was the Nellie Bowles article about our live show in Iowa titled, The Pied Pipers of the Dirtbag Left Want to Lead Everyone to Bernie Sanders. Yep. And it's had a picture. It had a profile picture of me wearing a fedora. I bring this up. I bring this only up with the, with the hindsight of the past two years because little known fact, also featured on that same front page of the New York Times. Below the fold. Below the fold. Less important than the dirtbag laughed being what, mean to people. Was this headline, how prepared is the U.S. for a coronavirus outbreak? <laughs> not. Not at all. Next question. I don't know. I think, I think we did pretty good. I think we did pretty good. We did great. Um, I think we did pretty good. Highest death toll of any country on earth. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but like... <laughs> if we they, did great. If they didn't test those deaths... <laughs> no, honestly, I feel like post-vaccine, I am now with Trump. Stop testing people. Well, Why I'm are saying, you getting upset over nothing? We, like, to defeat the Trump virus... We need to use Trump mindset. Yep. Yeah. Which is that if you stop testing, the virus will go away. It's true. Now, now, now to, to, to be fair, before anyone gets mad at me, when Trump said that, it, when the vaccine didn't exist, objectively monstrous. Saying it now, though, objectively correct, yes. and everyone needs to get the fuck on board. It's all in our minds at this point. We can choose. Corona is over if you let it. That's what they say. Bye bye. <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye. No more corona. So, obviously, the, the fact that the New York Times uh, put A1 above the fold, their, 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 uh, the, the scare piece about... Written uh, by Noah Cross's <laughs> granddaughter. <laughs> yes, uh, a few people, I don't know if you know where this or not, Nellie Bowles' grandfather is the San Francisco version of Noah Cross from Chinatown. Yes. Yeah. And I, this is not a joke. Uh, their family owns half of the water in California. So if you use water in the largest state of America, you're paying them. But like, obviously, like, uh, you know, like the whole point was to, you know, like, at, at, like, by the way, at a time when it didn't fucking matter. Bernie was already dead. They had already fucking, they were shoveling dirt and lie over the corpse at that point. But they wanted to make really sure that voters didn't get, you know, uh, hoodwinked by people who were angry at the Democratic Party for whatever reason. But this is, all in fa this is all in service of making sure that Joe Biden was the Democratic nominee. Brandon. And then President. President Brandon. We, we know him as Brandon. Can we get a let's go, Brandon? Let's go, Brandon, folks. Thank you for supporting our movement. Come on, man. 
See we some it. Yeah, see some familiar faces here, both from Occupy and Chaz, the other movements we started. All things we invented. And if you weren't at those movements because you're too young, well, now you can say you were here when Let's Go Brandon started. So, uh, to that end, I mean, like, so, it, it worked. You know, uh, we were defeated. Um, Joe Biden is president. But, like, I, I think this is a good, a good time to talk about it now because uh, this, this week has seen the, the complete denouement of thus far the first year of the, the Joe Biden presidency, which is the total shit-canning of the Build Back Brandon agenda. Yep. <laughs> Bye-bye! Which really, like... It really makes you think, like, for the first year that the Democrats controlled all three branches of government, it, like, it reminded me of when I had an office job and I would just have, like, Microsoft Outlook in the corner that I could click to immediately if someone walked by my office when I was scrolling Twitter. I mean, it really does give the impression that they were, like, just, we, we got to look busy, so let's just keep negotiating this bill for another eight months, knowing full well it has no fucking chance of ever passing, or none of us really want it to anyway, but we just got to look busy. So, no build back Brandon, or the Brandon, Brandon, Brandon agenda, as I Brandon call it. will not be built back. <laughs> Nothing's getting built back. Um, student loan payments, those are starting up in They're about a week. They're coming back, baby. Get ready. Uh, if you got, yeah, let's give it up. Let's give it up for that. Um, child tax credit, those are ending. Get rid of that. So yeah, like, uh, no, no child tax credit, no student loan. And student loans, better keep paying that shit. Um, and then masks, masks, masks for the foreseeable future. So where's this all going? Well, the answer is, uh, I think we pretty much know the Democrats are going to get fucking wiped out in 2022. Oh, but, yeah. but what really matters is 2024. The White House, the big enchilada. And to that end... In thinking about 2024, I've prepared a dossier for you guys tonight of the leading candidates, in my opinion, for 2024, for the Democrats and the Republicans, excluding the exquisite possibility that we all know will happen, which it'll probably be. The front be. runner. Trump's going to be yeah, president like it'll be, again. It'll be Trump and I Hillary I hope everyone Clinton. here in this room is ready for that he will be president again. If you miss him, if you miss the tweets, if you miss the posts, don't worry, they're coming back. He will win in 2024. If the, anyone will like let you bet on the 2024 election at this point, with any odds, put your money on Trump. He will be president again. The only thing that could stop him, and if not this one, then like 2028. Why not? <laughs> because, you know, old Joe could pull it out. I'll never forget on January 6th when Joe made that speech and said, President Trump needs to stop this violence. And they just like, that's all he needs to do. Um, the only thing that could stop it would be him dying. Yeah, that's it. Which yeah. is not going to happen ever. No, he will, he will live forever. Yeah. So, I've read a dossier of like extreme political uh, wisdom about the sort of strengths and weaknesses Excuse me. Of all the of all the leading contenders, start. Okay, we're gonna start with the Republicans here. And I think the most, the strongest outside of Trump is Ron DeSantis. Yeah. So I mean, like, uh, I'm, I'm gonna get Felix and Matt's uh, take on this, but I, I, I like for each one of these, I have a pro and a con here. So for Ron DeSantis, the pro is, as Matt has pointed out. He is currently demonstrating 
what will become the new standard for crisis management in any executive office? Yeah, you pretend it's not happening, and then you blame people for pointing it out. It, it, you, how could you beat that? Like, anything bad happens, and you just say, like, no, it's not. And then uh, you say, these people who are reminding you that shit sucks are the reason that things are bad. Who, who, you can't beat that. And, yeah, like, Florida's death rate is higher than New York State's or California's, but, like, not by that much. Yeah. Because, like, the truth of the matter is, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican and you face something like a fucking, like, pandemic respiratory virus that, like, just, you know, is, like, ruthlessly fucking efficient at spreading itself among a human population, Democrat or Republican, you will find yourself in a position where you realize, oh, shit, We've, uh, I'm the inheritor of 40 years of gutting like any effective like state response to any crisis. Yeah. So there's basically whether I'm a lib or a conservative, there's basically nothing I can fucking do. You can't do anything. So just like pretend it's not happening, and then like just choose err on the side of letting people do whatever they want. Yes. Party time. Excellent. <laughs> that is the key to governance in the 21st century. And then telling everybody who is like whining about it that they're being nerfed. And I gotta say, after I got vaccinated, the first state I visited was Florida. And coming out of like fucking two years in New York City to go to fucking Marco Island, Florida, it was like a fucking religious experience because it was like COVID never happened there. The first night I was there, I was in a packed bar. And people were fucking, they were fishing off the dock. They were drinking the strongest cocktails I've ever had in my life. Just vibing. Sure, 62,000 of them died the next day, but... They can't vote. <laughs> like, that's the thing. It's like everybody who dies is like, oh, well, what are you doing? All these people are dying. It's like, yeah, none of them get a say. They're dead. And their relatives, for the most part, it's like, okay, your relative is dead. Do you want to pursue poli policies that are going to make it harder for you to party? Or ones who are going to let you party? And most people are going to say, give me the party options. So he's, he's the party candidate. Okay, that's the pro. The con for Ron DeSantis, his weakness, is that he is every bit as stupid, venal, and cruel as Donald Trump but with zero sauce. He has no yeah. swag. Zero swag. The man is swagless. I, okay, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. Um, if you measure DeSantis against his non-Trump competition, blowing them out of the water in swag. That's, okay, that is well, true. Yeah. yeah. That is true. So I'm making a strong case for DeSantis yeah, here. But, I mean, compared to the general population and especially to Donald Trump, zero. None. It, you know, he... There is just something about his face that is swagless. There are no real interesting lines. There's no saucy, saucy hard angles. And the softness is all in the wrong place. If I was one of the sex traffickers on Germany's Next Top Model, I would throw him out of the house. He also, he's like, he, he's too interested in following, like, internet bullshit. Yep. Like, he just announced the Stop Woke Act. Like, that's, that's cringe, man. That's right. embarrassing. Trump, Trump loved internet stuff, but he loved, like, conservative jib-jab. <laughs> like, Trump, the shit that made Trump smile and the stuff that he would post would be, like, the worst edited gif of all time where he's like, he's Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's like, he's shooting CNN. 
and he would post this and be like, really good. And <laughs> that, 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 like, just never really scanned as pathetic to me. But a 50-year-old man, like, posting a soy jack and being like, this is you, isn't, like... It's embarrassing. Take, take that act out of Florida, and we're going to see how much, you know, how much, how well that plays in the suburbs. They're right. trying to keep Wojaks out of the hands of their kids. <laughs> All right, next up for the Republicans is Mike Pence. Okay. Uh-uh. Not mm. happening. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think we can know the obvious deficits here. My, the pro for Mike Pence was not executed for treason. <laughs> wow. He is still alive. The That's con. Fair. The con for Mike Pence is that he will be executed for treason. Wow. Yeah. Not much more to say about this loser, but he has no shot. No shot. Nope. Zero. Zero. Like you talk about swag. Zero. If you vote for this guy, how do you not know that you already voted for a hologram? <laughs> you could be voting for a dead man. All right, next up is Greg Abbott. <laughs> Greg Abbott, pro. Popular governor of a big state who's willing to let 800 people freeze to death in one of the hottest places on earth. Con, can't dance. So, Greg Abbott, um, this is a big if. If he makes it out of his thrilling race against Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, the guy who promised to like, burn down every church and confiscate every yeah. gun in Texas. There's actually a great new Beto thing that's going to fuck him, which is there's a lot of him hanging out with Travis Scott. <laughs> like, there's, like, there's a clip of Travis Scott being like, Beto's lit. He's the future of our state. Are you joking or no, is that real? No. That's real? That's real, yeah. <laughs> so Satan's emissary on Earth has yeah. uh, endorsed uh, Beto O'Rourke for governor. Yeah. So he's, you know, he's, he's got, you know, let's not get too ahead of ourselves here, those of us who are on the Abbott train like me. Um, Abbott, uh, I would say, like, about comparable swag levels to DeSantis. Um, he did, I think he's the one who signed the law in Texas where you have to, like, pledge allegiance to Israel to open a frozen yogurt stand. <laughs> I don't know if that's a positive or negative anymore. All right, next up. He will be defeated by any GOP challenger in a dunk contest. <laughs> next up is Don Jr. The biggest strength for Don Jr. is, of course, name recognition. The biggest weakness for Don Jr. is face recognition. Where's your fucking chin, mate? So for Don Jr., this is where it gets interesting. If Don Jr. is running, that means that Don Sr. has passed away. <laughs> the only way. Do sympathy votes work in the GOP, in the new GOP? Will they only work if your dad is Donald Trump? Maybe. Don Jr. has a lot... He, he, you know, to some people... It's like that, that photo of the old woman. You flip her over, she's a hot woman... Uh, 
to a very specific type of person, Don Jr. has a lot of swag. Don Jr. spends all day, like, cropping and recropping the most pixelated memes ever, and, you know, being like, Savage is gonna, Savage, you know, Savage, Karen got memed on. This is a based shitpost. And to most people, they're like, oh, he should be killed. But to a very active slice of the Republican Party, that's pretty cool. Can you, can you run a campaign based on the cocaine sweats alone? <laughs> will, will he glow? Will, will his cocaine glow spell presidential victory? Who can say? I, I think, okay, if we're getting really hypothetical, if we're really doing fantasy sports matchups, if it's him versus Gruesome Gavin, fucking washed. Gruesome Gavin could be like, how does my dick taste? How do... I hit, the entire team hit. Kamala hit. <laughs> the problem for uh, DJ TJ is that, yeah, that, that like cocaine thing, the majority of people who are going to vote in a Republican primary, if they did one line of cocaine, their heart would explode. Mm. So that's a problem for him. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, next up, Josh Hallway. The Elizabeth, Hall, the Elizabeth Warren of the Republican Party. Yeah, yeah. this is essentially, I'll, I'll, I'll do the con, I'll do the con first for Josh Hallway. The con is, as Matt said, he is the Elizabeth Warren yeah. of the modern GOP. Nerd-ass bitch. He is a bitch-ass nerd, 1,000%. But his strength is, and this may be, this may be a boutique issue now, but it's one that's gaining traction. And it's one that he is one of the few politicians that is willing to speak out on. And that is, of course, the dire shortage in this country of rough, manly tops. Yeah. We're, we're, we're running out of tops, folks. Yeah, Josh... If you want to get copped in this country, it's hard to find. Josh Hallway is the only senator to introduce a bill to open more rough trade schools. <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> Bing bong. And keep in mind, this may, not, this may seem like a boutique issue, but it, it gains traction when you consider the fact that most voters are bottoms. That's true. So this, this is a kitchen table issue yep. for most voters in America. If you're voting, you're a bottom, statistically. <laughs> okay. I, I, there aren't, I feel like I have to present some hypothetical um, there is no good one for Josh Hallway. <laughs> like, there's just... No. If everyone else in the field, like, every Republican down to, like, Edward Durr, the guy, the truck driver who won New, New Jersey State Assembly seat... Um, we had a King Ralph situation. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. King they were Ralph. taking a picture and they all got electrocuted. <laughs> yeah, That's if it. They, if they all died and, like, there was... There was a 4K video of Joe Biden, like, just, like, like when you take this snail out of the shell with escargot, him doing that with a baby's spine. <laughs> and then, like, he's, like, falling asleep, and then he does that, and he pops up, and he's like, my dad could really drive. <laughs> and it's like, like, he's not just doing that, but Americans kind of see, like, where his swag comes from, that it's not, like, organic anymore. Then I think Hallway could maybe win like 49 versus 47 percent. 
In a 30,000 uh, voter election. Yes. We actually want a hallway versus Kamala election. That is the goal. 30K votes. Yep. We can do it. Yep. One guy, it's like the movie Swing State. One defense contractor in Northern Virginia gets to decide who the president is. All right, next up for the GOP is my girl, Lauren Boebert. Woo! Okay. Pew, pew. You, you, know, you know what the pro, what the strength is here, which is simply, awooga, gentlemen, start your engines. I would do anything to be her husband, including the stuff her husband did. <laughs> The con for Lauren Boebert, the weakness that's inherently baked in here, is that she will almost certainly accidentally kill at least one person before 2024. But again, this is not necessarily a weakness. It depends on who she kills. Depends on who she kills. I like how all her kids root for different football teams. Yeah, I do not respect that at all. Yeah, Matt, what do you think about the Boebert Jr. being a Green Bay fan? I mean, you know, it, it, it's a Heartland team, I understand. But yeah, like, uh, uh, a Packer fan should not be in the same room with all those people, especially if they've got guns. Just thank, thank God one of her kids isn't a Minnesota Vikings fan yeah. with all the it's fucking guns, with all the <laughs> fucking hardware in that fucking yeah. photo. All right, and then finally, we got to have like a dark horse candidate. You know, like a, a real game changer. And that is, of course, Mike wow, Lindell. Wow, 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 I looked at all the packets. <laughs> Mike Lindell, the pro here is that I don't know what it is about this guy, but he seems, how should I put this? He seems infused with an almost supernatural energy. He never gets tired. He doesn't even need to sleep. It's amazing. 96 straight hours. How does he do it? And you know, when you're on the campaign trail, that is a huge, huge fucking boon. Huge boon. Yep. If you want to get votes in swing states, the key is having deep, intense conversations with them about how much you respect them and how you want to open a restaurant with them. Mike Lindell, I think, would do a really good job campaigning in places like New Hampshire and Iowa, staying late, you know, to, to the close of bars, maybe even pursuing a line of questions with the one guy in the bar who's wearing a Davucci leather jacket and where he may be able to get something you weren't able to bring on a plane. <laughs> Lindell is, you know, n no one here has swag levels like Trump. Lindell, he is the Omicron of swag. That's true. Most people, you know, their swag is, uh, it's arithmetic. Like Josh Hallway, it's zero and it's always been zero. Lindell's is geometric. It builds on itself. And, you know, in a long enough timeline, he could have more swag than Donald Trump. It's possible. I mean, he is the next iteration. Like, a, he's not a, like a East Coast real estate freak. He is a Midwest manufacturing Christian who smoked so much crack that it made him see God. Like, that is the American experience. Yes. And he's not, he's not like, it's not like a Michael Bloomberg thing where it's like, oh, the, you know, I can either stop somebody or this is like the next thing I buy. Michael Bloomberg, 
if Michael Bloomberg thought an election was stolen, he wouldn't be like, oh, no, I need to be the guy who's on TV for five days straight. Yeah. That's, he would farm that out to anyone else. Any other rich guy is farming that job out. Yep. Lindell, no, I'm building a studio in my house. <laughs> and I'm making the, the most breathless, like, contentless movie of all time. He is the ne- he is the lot like if you were gonna plot it out logically he would be the next step because like the, Trump is like a businessman you know uh, and he represents like uh, success you know like apolitical success uh, but in that like New York uh, real estate thing that is like genuinely sort of alien to Middle America and the thing that makes him relatable to them is just that he's famous and he's on TV. And then you've got Lindell, like he's the real thing. He's the true steal. Midwestern crackhead turned businessman. He should be the next thing. Like literally the thing that stops him and the reason that I don't think he's going to be the next president is just that he is literally too stupid (laughs) to do the basic stuff to make it through like jump through the hoops to become president. Yeah, no, the thing that gives him swag is also his Achilles heel. Yes. His stupidity and his cocaine addiction. Yeah. Well, which, which brings us to the, uh, the weakness, the con for Mike Lindell, which is, in addition to having to overcome literally millions of Venezuelan data packets, when you're on the road, and like, you know, we, we, can, you know, we can confirm this for ourselves, when you're on the road, it's really hard to like have a guy in every state in the country. But if there's one person who can do it, I think it's Mike Lindell. He might build a network similar to O'Bunglers Organizing for America of, you know, organizers in 50 states who can really find what he's looking for. What's this? What? What's that? Yeah, that's right. We're going long tonight. (laughs) We're going long tonight because, you know what? This may be the last opportunity we'll ever have to perform live in New York State. That is until the state gets on board with the Let's Go Brandon agenda. That's right. That's right. Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it rolling tonight by going to the way less entertaining. I really should have done the Republican second. But uh, the way less entertaining Democratic contenders. Starting with, of course, Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, everybody. We did it, Joe. Hit it one more time. We did it, Joe. It's so fucking funny. (laughs) It comes into my head all the fucking time. We did it, Joe. (laughs) The most anticlimactic way winning the presidency of the United States has ever been announced by anyone. We did it, Joe. There's no shot she was talking to Joe Biden either. That's the other thing. There's, just, there's no fucking shot. That phone, like, if you took that phone from her and held it up to a camera, it's the, it's the phone from the Nelly video where the girl's in XL. <laughs> this is me using every single one of my spoons to hungoverly get to the bagel shop, get a bagel sandwich, and get back to my couch by 2 p.m. on a Sunday. We did it, Joe. <laughs> Look, if if she actually called Joe Biden the day after and said, you know, we did it, Joe, what Biden would be like, who who is this? What did we do? All right, uh, Kamala's biggest strength, of course, is her elite cadre of supporters known as the K Hive, who will form a vanguard to do direct action 
terrorism, assassinations, and ballot rigging to ensure her victory and intimidate all opposition. The K-Hive are the closest thing to a Quds Force in America. That is definitely a point in her favor. But like, do we have any proof that they will do anything other than post? What because they if they're not going to like take a umbrella with ricin at the end and like hit uh, a rival in the arm with it, I, I, I don't really think it's gonna matter. Did you notice that Havana syndrome started getting worse when people in the White House started leaking more stories about how they don't like Kamala? Oh my God, that's true. Kamala's biggest weakness, though, is that, let's be honest, folks, if she wants to be president of the United States of America, she needs to be given a newer, better husband. Yeah, Doug Imhoff is an absolute, just zero. That guy's got nothing. Doug Imhoff... He's not hot. He's not a hunk. Yeah. She's literally going to have to, like, marry her stepdaughter. <laughs> to get any swag at all. That would be a winning fucking proposition yeah. right there. Her coming I'm out the aisle. I'm a cisgender millennial. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. By God, is that L.A.M. Hoff's music? <laughs> like, imagine a, a massive televised wedding between, like, Kamala's waiting at the altar and then a, like em, Ella comes in and like a steampunk balloon <laughs> like some sort of denim ensemble it would be huge the yeah. millennials would just not shut up about it and yeah then Zoomers Kam too yeah Kamala would say some like weird rejoinder to Trump after it because it is an election stunt she'd be like looks like one, only one of us succeeded at marrying her daughter <laughs> Yeah. That would do it. What's he gonna say? Yeah. No, he would, it would be for the first time in his life, he would eat humble pie and be like, she did it, we gotta give she her credit. It, yeah, yeah. We, gotta, we gotta give it to Kamala. Yeah. She, she did the dream. She yeah. did the thing we've all been dreaming of all our lives. I wanna, it's I wanna, a tough I business. I wanna, uh, I wanna hit my head tonight and wake up with perfect memory, except I think this really happened. And I, in turn, write a Medium post called, oh, so we're gonna, give, we're gonna forgive Kamala for what she did, but not Woody Allen. <laughs> and then I just post that and drop my phone in my toilet tank. All right, next up for the Democrats, you all know who's coming. It's Pete Buttigieg. Ooh. Pete, 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 Pete. Yes. Yes, man. Okay. Pete Buttigieg's biggest strength. He has the institutional support of both the media and at least one large and powerful government agency. His biggest weakness, though, is that all his supporters at that same unnamed powerful agency are now all suffering from Havana Syndrome. That's true. They're shitting their pants. They can't help him at all. They have imposter syndrome. Pete is, um, uh, he can really fool you. 
you can look at him and go, okay, is this a Don Jr. situation where he has like a certain type of swag that a certain type of person notices? The answer is he is the most, like you have to watch the Pete documentary like we did. There's nothing there. Nothing. Nothing. He is an absolute zero. Hollow he, man. Yeah. yeah. There's nothing there. He, he, there's nothing. He, like the only people who cared about him when he ran in 2020 are other hollow media freaks. Or like they recognize like the 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 wind whistling through his emptiness uh, as as like their own uh, uh, mating call. Regular people who have like something inside of them, even if it's fucking like bratwurst and cheese curds, they are not they they don't resonate at all to that frequency. He's 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 got an uphill uh, climb for sure. Next up for the Democrats is AOC. You've already identified her biggest weakness, <laughs> is that she is endorsed by listeners of our show. <laughs> the touch of death. Uh, the, big, the biggest strength AOC has is, of course, that she's already demonstrated an admirable willingness to work within the system and the Democratic Party for positive change. We're building back Brandon. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I'm hearing now, no, we're not building back Brandon. Uh, I'm hearing that Brandon has actually been euthanized. Uh, AOC's biggest weakness, uh, aside from what you've already demonstrated, the fact that she's endorsed by listeners of our program, is that uh, I just don't think she has the killer instinct. And I think that was uh, demonstrated by uh, her reaction to the January 6th riot, which was um, going on TV to talk about how scared it made her. Yeah. Which, even if that was true, and I could understand how in that situation you might be afraid for your life, if you are attempting to be a leader, particularly of the socialist left in this country, you should at least lie on TV and just say, no, I wasn't scared at all. Fuck those people. Yeah. 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 Because they can't scare me. They're fucking yeah. nothing. Fuck them. Yeah. AOC would be interesting because, um, you know, we all felt bad watching what the Israel lobby did to Corbyn. We felt bad watching people trick Corbyn into going, uh, no, actually, I want a second referendum. What about a person you could trick into apologizing for literally anything? <laughs> well, I said my, my other weakness for her is that uh, after securing the nomination all of her superdelegate electors will vote present. <laughs> Bing bong. <laughs> Bing bong. Okay, before I lose the room, next up is Gruesome Gavin. Gruesome Gavin Newsom. Gruesome Gavin's biggest strength is that he just defeated a CIA-backed color revolution in the state of California, which makes him uniquely well-positioned to be leader of all of America. His biggest weakness is being Eskimo brothers with literally everyone he runs against. He will alienate himself from the Democratic base when he ends up dating Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene at the same time. Gruesome Gavin, I gotta say, out of this entire field, there is only one guy with swag. Yeah. And it's him. It's absolutely him. He, he loves returning videotapes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Gruesome Gavin's regime just had a big win. Uh, you know, they took back Sacramento, which is their Aleppo. <laughs> you know, we have criticisms of Gruesome Gavin's regime. They love testing over there, but we're going to save those after all the compradors are kicked out of the Californian Republic. See, that's the thing. Is that, like, I honestly don't think that Gavin Newsom ha- is viable as a national candidate, given America's demographics and the Electoral College and all that shit. But him getting elected with a massive majority, then, at the height of COVID, getting caught hanging out with celebs and sickos at the French Laundry, and then, after a recall, getting the exact same, uh, 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 like, the exact same number of, of votes. Like, he didn't lose anything over, over the entire course of COVID. He, I don't think he's going to be president, but he can absolutely be the first president of the California Republic. Which I think is going to happen. Like, Inshallah. If, 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 if you want Inshallah. to tell me what's going to happen in the next 10 years, it's going to be Trump becomes president in 2024, and they start being like, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're doing epic rightism. And then in r- liberal states, they're just going to secede. And I feel like Gruesome Gabin has a very good chance of, of becoming the president of the first, like, uh, like West Coast Republic. Like, all of the states uh, touching the Pacific. Yeah. Which is good, because, like, something like 90% of the shipping containers that come into America exactly, come yes. through Long Beach. Yeah. So, so. it's, like, it, like it's, a, it's a perfect Mexican standoff. It's like, you, look, look, America, you have the water, and we have all of the shipping containers. Let's do a trade. And he will then be the, ma- the he will be Master Blaster. He will be the, uh, the Lord Humongous of the California Republic. But yeah, he won't be President of the United States. All I right. mean, honestly, the United States, do you really think that's going to be around too much longer? Give me a break. All right, well, let's go to, let's go to the next United one. United States. Let's go, let's go to the next one who does, in my opinion, stand a decent chance of being the President of the United States. J.B. Pritzker. J.B. Pritzker. His biggest strength, rich as hell, absolute unit. <laughs> he's a billionaire. He's one of the few billionaires that seem, he's one of the few American billionaires that seems like they actually have fun. Yeah. Most American billionaires seems like they haven't experienced joy or yeah. pleasure like in the moment Like you got fucking like Jeff life. Bezos. It's like you have more money than God and like you eat three pills a day. Whereas J.B. Prisker's like, yeah, I go to a different uh, buffet three times a day. You, and I like literally, I, I am doing the uh, fat boy scene from Crush Groove at every one of them. J.B. has like $5 billion, but you know he was sad when the dollar menu went away. Well, that, that is the thing about J.B. is that like he is the only Democrat who could realistically connect with middle America because it's like, yes, I too care about uh, free refills. Yeah, I too care about like having unlimited access to the salad bar. I am going to say JB's two biggest positives, and they're huge. And you're going to think that I'm being insulting to the, to him, but no, I think these are massive positives that no other Democrat has, and I mean none. JB is fat and stupid, <laughs> like America. Yes, which brings us to his weaknesses. There are none. None. He is the Midwest Maldib. The golden path is laid out before us. We must merely walk it. We've talked about it on the show. But, like, you get JB. With JB, you get every fat white Midwesterner on 
on earth, all of them. And then if you get Eric Adams in the VP spot, you get literally every outer borough uh, middle class minority in America. That is literally the Democratic uh, majority that has won every election it ever has. Yeah. JB, you saw what kind of person he was. I don't know if you guys remember it, the best tweet ever made. When he, yes. said, he said, you know, in protest of Trump's uh, transgender military ban, let's all go into the opposite sex's bathroom today. Yep. And he wasn't like, he wasn't trying to do like epic conservative satire. You know, he really thought that. He thought he was, that was a good idea. And yeah. everyone got mad at it. And he just said, oh, I'm sorry. He was like, he said, he said, I didn't mean like literally. But that shows, like, two things. He's, like, stupid in a way that Americans can relate to. And, like, hey, his heart's in the right place. Okay. Finally, before we go into intermission, our Democratic Party wildcard for 2024 is Bernie Sanders. Because, because, LOL, why the fuck not? He is still younger than the President of the United States. Yeah. The guy who can point, press a button and kill everyone on Earth is still older than him and clearly at least 20 years more senile than he is. And if we could just inject him with a few nanobots, he could rule at least eight years. No strengths, no weaknesses here. We already know them all. Why the fuck not? Warsaw, Brooklyn... This will take us into the second act of the show. We're going to intermission right now, but stay tuned for second act because we got a real special second act of the show lined up for you tonight. America Cheers, is the greatest. Warsaw, Brooklyn. Let's keep it fucking going tonight. Uh, merch at the side. We have merch, real physical merch for sale. Go get some of it. Come on. We'll see you guys in like 20. Okay, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Let's, uh, let's keep it going for Warsaw. This venue rocks. Venue, what's up? And I, um, I, I learned during intermission, um, do we have a dog in the audience tonight? There's, yeah, apparently there's a dog in the audience tonight. I just want to say shout out to the dog who came out tonight. <laughs> Unless, of course, it's a pit bull. And please get it out of here. Uh, report immediately to the elimination chamber. Yeah, let's take care of the real virus. <laughs> All right. So we have, a, we have a special second act of the show for you tonight. It is a very New York-themed second act for the show tonight. <laughs> Give it up for the Empire motherfucking state. All right. So the genesis for this whole second act of the show tonight was a tweet that was shared by the film studio A24. The tweet entreated followers of A24 to ask them, if you could make a movie based on one tweet, what would that movie be? So um, if anyone in the audience tonight actually does work for A24, congratulations, you've paid for the privilege of hearing our pitch. So when, 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 I, when we saw this tweet, we instantly knew there is only one tweet 
that we could possibly make a movie about. And that tweet is the Jennifer Rubin in response to Governor Andrew Cuomo's sharing of Sunday dinner Cuomo style, Jennifer Rubin's reply, the, in quotation, the boyfriend looks nice and girls seem to have eaten their spaghetti and meatballs, exclamation point. They do seem to have eaten the spaghetti and meatballs. It's true. One of the best posts of all time because there, like, there is no even good straightforward meaning of it. So you have to start, like, digging into, like, okay, is this, like, entendre? Like, is she saying, like, oh, look at your daughter's tits. They're eating their pasta. <laughs> I mean, what's, what's going on here? I mean, you pointed this out when we did this in, uh, in Buffalo, but um, for me, it's, like, it's the, it's the boyfriend in quotation marks. Yeah. Well, yeah, that part is, like, oh, she's saying, like, oh, did he just fuck you and then leave? So anyway, I will uh, take this moment because I make the slideshows to say uh, story by credit, Chris Wade, uh, because this is my proposal. Uh, so uh, if any of you guys are in uh, WGA East, uh, talk to your bosses slash frenemies in WGA West, uh, because everything they say there uh, has to be under story by credit, me. Absolutely. If you are in the Pinkertons, contact me right now. So without further ado, here is our, our treatment, our pitch deck for a film that we are calling, story credit, Chris Way, a film credit story that we are calling The Daughter's Meatballs. <laughs> so I'm just gonna read you here, like this, this, this is just like, imagine like the, you know, the back of the, the VHS tape. You know, you're, you're walking around a VHS store, you're walking around a video store, I mean like probably two of you in, the, you in this audience will actually remember that experience. Goddamn children with your Blu-ray discs. Yeah, nowadays, you're probably walking around the app store. Not one of y'all had the experience of having to think, should I rewind it before I return it to the video store? Knowing that I will incur a 50-cent charge if I don't? None of y'all know that. I always like the guys who like rented a PS2 from Blockbuster every week. <laughs> That's just, like, one of the most foolhardy financial decisions you can make. Yeah, it's like renting furniture. Yeah. <laughs> so here is, here, here is the copy I've written for, like, the, the back of the VHS tape plot description. Single dad and popular New York State governor Michael Romo seemingly has it all. Soaring approval ratings, a loving family, and an active dating life. Until it all becomes unspooled, when an obsessed and dangerous columnist ingratiates herself into his family, social, and political life following a Me Too allegation. <laughs> Governor Romo is accused of sexual harassment during a team building exercise with his staff where a number of female aides accused him of getting too handsy during an Aikido seminar. <laughs> Other women begin to come forward and accuse the governor. In crisis mode, he turns to his brother, a prominent cable news anchor, and PR whiz Kate Tisch, who advises him to make his family life and profile as a single dad of, two, a, da a, single dad of a daughter more accessible to the media. Enter deranged columnist Heather Chaikin, a Romo orbiter who has longed for such access from afar. 
When Heather is chosen to write a puff piece, sympathetic, a puff piece sympathetic profile of Romo, she begins a disturbing game of intimidation and psychosexual cat and mouse as she works to become his daughter wife. <laughs> All right. So we have here like a, like a, we have, we have this fully plotted out three act structure. We're going to take you with it. We have some scenes written. It's casted. So enter our mind palace. Just like we will create for you in your minds. You are like going to be in the cinema right now. The lights have come down. You are watching the daughter's meatballs. I'm a cool dude in loose mood. You know that. <laughs> That's Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> One more time. I'm a cool dude in loose mood. You know that. Yeah. Act one. We open on a walk and talk as popular New York governor Michael Romo, played by... Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac. <laughs> we've always, we've all noticed how much these two resemble each other. It's uncanny. This is also, this is also a, little, a little Easter egg for all the fans out there in our Sadhukar Legion. You are, the, you are the emperor's death troops here tonight. So, uh, popular New York State Governor Michael Romo heads to his weekly press conference slash PowerPoint presentation. He is trailed by his brain trust, which includes his brother, Johnny Romo, played by Henry Cavill. <laughs> See, I mean, this is the hard part about casting this film. Because when you're going to cast two characters based on the Cuomo brothers, you have to come up with who are the two most handsome men in the world? And then when you cast the Chris Cuomo character, you have to think up, who's even more handsome than Michael Cuomo? Or Andrew Cuomo? <laughs> the answer is no one. But yes, played by Henry Cavill, a popular cable news anchor. Also trailing him is PR and communications whiz and all-around boss bitch baddie, Kate Tish, played by... Rose Byrne. Basically the Liz Smith character. You could say that. <laughs> I think that'd be a fair assessment to make. I mean, I, this is genius casting because they do. I mean, this is uncanny right here. You could almost see Rose in an Austin City Limits ringer tee. Okay. Um, and, of course, his beloved daughter, Lisa Romo, and her boyfriend. Lisa Romo played by... Sally Draper, the boyfriend played by Mikey Miles. <laughs> now, I have to let you know, I did, this is a last minute like, change in casting on my part. Originally, the part of, um, uh, of Lisa Romo's boyfriend, uh, the character of Lisa Romo's boyfriend, his name is Jughead Jones. And he would be played by the guy who plays Jughead Jones on Riverdale. But, but in this movie, the boyfriend is just Jughead from the Archie comics. But in our movie, he will now be, uh, we fired the Jughead actor and replaced him with Mikey Miles. More authenticity. And like I said, this is a, this is a night, this is a night for New York. Who better than just a kid from New York? And of course, the head, also in the brain trust, trailing him to the press conference, is the head of his New York State Trooper Praetorian Guard, Rawls from the Wire. 
Romo has been holding weekly press conferences to great acclaim since the beginning of a plague that has been ravaging the country. However, today's press conference will be the crowning achievement of his administration. The announcement of the success of his signature program, Nursing Home Order 66. <laughs> Through the implication of Romo's dynamic response teams of people sent to nursing homes to cough on the elderly, conjoined with a, uh, a new program to, uh, new programs to pass around kazoos encourage the elderly to play spin the bottle, and announcing the winner of the senior spit challenge will win a cruise vacation with other seniors. The elderly viral spreading population of New York State has been reduced to near zero. Indeed, the great state of New York has stopped the spread, flattened the curve, and is full of youthful vigor again. <laughs> Romo opens the press conference, as he does all of them, by leading his congregation of the press in the official New York State mantra. It goes like this. We are New York. We are New Yorkers. We are trans. We are Muslim. We are Jewish. We are black. We are the Knicks, Rangers, Islanders, Yankees, Mets, Nets, Giants, Jets, and Bills. That was supposed to be a bigger applause line. Bing bong. <laughs> We are, the, we are the New York, we are, we, we are New York, and we are all gay. Thank you. Romo announces the success of Order 66 and celebrates with a performance of the latest dynamite musical parody from popular YouTube sensation Andy Sunshine, played by Josh Gad. Gad provides the grunts and squeals of Andy Sunshine. If your movie doesn't have Gad, good luck at the box office. America can't stop gorging on Gad. Andy Sunshine's latest musical parody? Well, it's the tune of Master of the House from Les Mis. And it goes a little something like this. Welcome the press. Isn't this great to meet the best governor of all the states? As for the rest, all of them dopes won't kill the elderly for their votes. <laughs> Seldom do you see honest men like he, a gent of good intent who's content to be. Master of the state, doling out kazoos, a competent executive who knows a thing or two, cooking up the sauce, gives a little stir. Of this governor, you could say I'm a connoisseur. Everybody laughs. By the way, if there are some Les Mis fans in the house tonight, you're in for a treat. This will be the first of several. Everybody laughs and adores Andy Sunshine. Before we go much further, we'd like to now go, uh, we'd now like to do a scene that we've prepared here. This is, um, this is, this is a scene of, of Romo and his team. Uh, this is Governor Romo, Kate Tish, and Johnny Romo. 
uh, devising their, their incredible and successful plans for New York State. So in this scene, Governor Romo will be played by Felix, Johnny Romo will be played by Matt, and I will be reading the part of uh, Kate Tisch. So, I will read the stage direction. Sweeping orchestral music, West Wing style. I need the 10 most crowded nursing homes in the state on a piece of paper, and I need them yesterday. I got you, big bro. We did a report on a few overpopulated ones last year. I'll get my line producer, the one who sort of looks like a perfect 24-year-old Catherine Bell, but with a wider mouth, actually. You expect her to be taller based on pictures because she's really narrow hips, but you meet her and she's like 5'2", which is fine because she has the perfect teardrop-shaped pair you've seen on an art student, actually. Yes, uh, ask her. If, 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 if she's the one I'm thinking of, actually, she sort of has, you know, hair that's brown like a red-wrapped Lindor chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> And her toes, they actually point inward. And uh, yes, like you said, the teardrops. I was actually wondering, is those age? Hey, hey, ground control to major tards. You're two of the realest, most authentic, and punk rock pairs of brothers I've ever worked with. But right now, we've got to focus up. The longer we talk about teardroppers, the longer this thing goes on. A beat. Kate is right. If we want Excelsior results, we need Excelsior actions. Kate, get me the full Ginsburg. I'm announcing a mandatory prom for every senior in our state. We're going to commandeer National Guard troop transports and Ospreys to bring them all to Madison Square Garden, and we're going to close every window in the building. Holy fucking fuck. Fuck my inside shitballs. You magnificent motherfucking bastard and a half. That's why he's my bro. What do you say we get the deucing chamber ready so it's warm for us by midnight? Let her rip, Johnny. Finn. Scene. Now, now, okay. Uh, you you may have you may have heard a phrase there that we go. What's up? What's that? Yeah. What is the deucing chamber? What is the deucing chamber? What is the deucing chamber? It's sort of like who is John Galt? This is a question that our film poses, and it's the first of many hard left turns that this film takes. But um, essentially, in the uh, sort of alternate history vision of New York that we're portraying. Um, essentially, the seat of all power held by the governor of New York and essentially all state politics in New York flows from something called the deucing chamber. It is within the governor's mansion, and it is a, it's a, it's a sacred sanctum in which brothers fuck the same woman together in guy-guy-girl threesomes. True. Yep. Uh, There's a long history of it in New York State. Yes, the the deucing chamber it was originally built by DeWitt Clinton, with money appropriated from the Erie Canal, and it was in the deucing chamber where DeWitt and his uncle uh, George created Uncle Magic for the first time. Uh, in the 1820s, the anti-Masonic party campaigned on a slogan of 
opened the deucing chamber amid fears that it was being used for disgusting Illuminati rituals and not wholesome sibling three-ways. Al Smith became the first Catholic to deuce in the chamber, and FDR added a wheelchair ramp. Nelson Rockefeller authorized the storming of Attica while Eiffel Towering Barbara Walters with his brother Winthrop. <laughs> it, it, is this true? I mean, it's only through fiction that you can really tell I wrote truth. it down. Yeah. <laughs> that means it's true. I want you to keep this in mind. History is written by the winners. How does that apply here? I don't know. History is written by the brother, who is also there. Yep. Back to the film. I mean, with that crucial context, the plot of this movie will begin to take shape. So, in the back of the press scrum at the Order 66 press conference, we see a dowdy and shrewish woman rocking back and forth and mouthing the words of the New York State Prayer as she stares rapturously at her savior and the most handsome man in all of politics. She is Heather Chaikin, played by Kate Blanchett. <laughs> a longtime politico who made a name for herself by first sucking up to Republican politicians when the war on terror was a fun thing everyone enjoyed, then Democratic politicians after that all went off. She's currently a never-Trumper a never who has outlived her usefulness to Romo and all other national Democrats. She is Romo's number one fan. Early in the film, we set up a juxtaposition between the life of Romo, who is handsome, well-liked, and has the world at his fingertips, probably going to be president someday, and Heather's. Her life is squalid and miserable, an endless parade of cable news green rooms and articles for which he has given the high hat at every opportunity. Meanwhile, Romo is riding high. He's the most innovative governor of all time. The only thing he loves more than the great state of New York is finger-cuffing women with his brother inside the deucing chamber in deep inside the governor's mansion. Now, you know, if you are a film producer or someone from A24 tonight, you're probably wondering, you know, what does every film need? An inciting incident. In this movie, the inciting incident is when Romo is accused of doing Me Too shit. A former aide goes public with allegations that Romo got handsy during a team-building Aikido seminar and goes in crisis mode with his war counsel. His brother, Liz Smith, and his daughter, who assures him, I love you. I love the way you talk to my friends. They all like you and think you're cool. <laughs> Kate Tisch, of course, who is no stranger to scandal. Indeed, she was once involved with the former New York governor, whose administration was destroyed by a baby piss-play diaper-changing scandal. Because she's been through the scandal ringer, she has a brilliant idea. Enlist sycophantic column gremlin Heather Chaikin to write a sympathetic puff piece on Romo, centering him as a single father of a loving daughter. Invite her to the governor's mansion, endure her for a few hours, and reap the earned media. Romo grudgingly accepts. Which brings us, of course, to the centerpiece of the first act, the spaghetti and meatball dinner. You know, I gotta say, it does look like they have finished their spaghetti and meatballs. There's still, like, there's still a it, ton of spaghetti like, and meatballs in the middle of the table. Yeah, that's like four servings yeah, of meatballs. Yeah, but the plates are clean. I'm sorry. 
Well, she should have said clean plate club, and then, you know, I know hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm still like, there, I'm like it's the reason this tweet stuck with me so much is it's the it's the conjunction of both the tweet and the reply because this photo is so unnerving to me. It, it says something about Cuomo's absolutely vacant half grin. It is so fucking. This is like this is like Sunday dinner at the Overlook Hotel. <laughs> They've always finished their spaghetti and meatballs. Now that it's all blown up, the, the cater table in the back left of it yeah. that is like completely empty, it's like they're having dinner at a wedding they didn't attend. <laughs> Wait a minute, there's only one, I just did the math, there's only one boyfriend. Yeah. There's just him. Yeah. And there's a meatball on his fucking plate. <laughs> I don't know what to believe in anymore. Your daughter, Mr. Cuomo, is attempting to bring in an outside party. A boyfriend. So Chaikin is invited to Sunday dinner, Romo style. After years of replying to him on Twitter and singing his praises on cable TV, she is finally getting to peer behind the veil and join her favorite family. Romo, his daughter, and her boyfriend gird themselves for a severely unpleasant evening. They are totally unprepared for what is about to happen to them all. Chaikin intensely wants to be part of the Romo family. She is on the same page regarding Romo's claims that he would never touch the butt of a female staffer, <laughs> even when showing her how to disarm an attacker who's you know, attacking her from behind. You know, attempting to put a gun to her head from behind, sometimes you would need to like, touch someone's butt to show them how to properly disarm someone who's holding a gun to your head from behind. But this is what the team building exercise was for. But she is overly familiar and makes inappropriate comments throughout the night. She asks to feel Romo's muscles, asks the daughter's boyfriend to do a keto on her, asks Lisa Romo if she uses pads or tampons, and of course, slurps down her spaghetti and meatballs. I'm a woman who loves to clean her plate, she winks at Romo. She wants to help. She states any woman would love to be hip-tossed or elbow-locked by the most handsome and powerful man in America. She keeps dropping hints about wanting a personal tour of the deucing chamber. <laughs> Romo wants the night to be over more than anything and assures her that we're all one big team, like a baseball team, and you're in my bullpen. I'll call you up when I need a closer. Chaikin leaves, writes the article, which delivers on Kate Tish's promise of a sympathetic portrait, a glossy portrait of a loving father who loves his spaghetti and would never grow up a woman. Although the article also subtly implies that the boyfriend isn't worthy of spaghetti and meatballs and claims that his muscles are too small. <laughs> so, moving now into our, our, our second written scene. This is, this is the spaghetti and meatballs dinner scene. So, uh, in this scene, uh, let's see, uh, Governor Romo will once again be played by Felix. Uh, I, will, I will be reading Lisa Romo, and Matt will be reading Heather Chaikin. Heather, I'm, uh, I'm so sorry that uh, Jughead couldn't make it. <laughs> I wanted you to have the full Romo Sunday dinner experience, after all. Oh, Dad, I'm sure she's pretty well acquainted with it by now, after all those press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> Both <laughs> chuckle. Governor, there's nothing in the world you or your incandescent family could do that would let me down. Beat. Lisa, uh, Heather is uh, writing a new profile of uh, me and the family. 
dope. <laughs> Usually, I think the media can be kind of chuggy. It used to be with our dad. They were giving extreme guy who ghosts you and then begs to let you be let back in energy. But you're seriously our oomphy. <laughs> I'm your oomphy? That's one step below sister, but I'll take it. <laughs> Beat. Lisa, uh, don't you uh, have something to announce? A juicy exclusive for Heather's article here? Kiss, 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 kiss. <laughs> well, I wanted to save it for our Christmas cards, but I thought, what with everything that's been going on this year and Dad showing his authentic self to the state, I owed it to everyone to show every part of me. So here goes. I am a sapiosexual. I am attracted to women, NBs, and yes, unfortunately, men. If you can call Jughead that. Dad, but not off looks, on the basis of his intelligence. Oh, mazel tov, Lisa. But it's a lucky thing Michael is your dad then, otherwise you'd be love drunk every day you're here. <laughs> that's, uh, that's very nice to say, Heather, but I think there are a lot of great New Yorkers her age that more than fit that bill. Plus, our friends in the legislature might not quite agree with you. They're scum who need to be dealt with. Anyone who stands in your way stands in the way of Excelsior. A beat. A loud buzzing cuts through the silence. And uh, just, as, just as I was about to admonish uh, Lisa for looking at her phone, I, I got to take this, unfortunately. It will be quick. Uh, Kate is up my you-know-what about pardoning Jesse Lacey from Brand New. <laughs> Romo walks off. A few moments of silence pass between Heather and Kenba. So, did the boyfriend have too many meatballs last time? <laughs> I'm sorry, did, did he what? The boyfriend! So handsome! Such a nice smile, but he looked like he took all the meatballs. <laughs> Sorry, Felix's uh, little screenplay dialogue here is most disgusting laugh you have ever heard in your life. I, I think he ate pretty much the same as everyone else. <laughs> then why isn't he here? Um, it's, just, it's just really stressful with what's going on in communities right now. He said he had to make sure his family in uh, Riverdale was doing okay. Well, if he's yanking your chain, he would be dealt with. And those, who've been his, those would have been his last meatballs last week because that's what sisters do. Lisa can no longer hide her discomfort. Right at that moment, Governor Romo makes it back to the table. Can you believe that the son of a governor, just another kid from New York, is going to pardon Long Island legend Jesse Lacey? <laughs> Scene. <laughs> Which leads us into act two. Sometime later, after the spaghetti and meatballs debacle, Lisa Romo and her friends are out partying at House of Yes in Bushwick. When who should serendipitously run into them but Heather Chaikin? She is dressed exactly like Lisa was at dinner. She assumes they are friends because her dad told her she was his closer. 
She offers them Molly and aggressively presses the issue until Lisa and her friends relent and drink Molly water with this extremely unsettling woman. They are unaware that Chaikin has surreptitiously filmed their drug experience for her Finsta. After Chaikin's article, she won't stop calling the governor's office and telling them that she's on the team. What's worse, another former aide has come forward, this time alleging that the governor made her eat hot dogs in front of him and his brother on the Coney Island Wonder Wheel. <laughs> Quote, he kept saying, I could be the next Joey Chestnut, but much prettier. <laughs> Despite getting the brush off from Roman, uh, Romo's office, Chaikin takes it upon herself to write another column attacking the hot dog woman in unsparing terms, digging into her personal life. It blows up in Team Romo's face. His approval ratings are dropping, and yet another dozen women have come forward, alleging that Johnny and Mike Romo made them do a tug of war and then assigned each of them letter grades based on, quote, how hard they pulled. Facing a blizzard of bizarre and confounding allegations compounded by the increasingly unhinged and embarrassing antics of Chaikin, Governor Romo tries telling Heather that he never asked her to attack his accusers and politely declines to give her a piggyback ride. <laughs> Furious, Heather claims she won't be ignored and that he's treating her like someone who doesn't finish their meatballs. Heather then pulls her trump card and threatens to reveal his daughter's drug habits unless she is given access to the deucing chamber and is allowed to become roommates with his daughter and join his administration. <laughs> Terrified for his family and with his life spinning out of control, Romo wants to protect his daughter and relents, letting Chaikin move into his inner circle. However, this means he is unable to double-team women with his brother and as, as a result, his administration flounders and presidential dreams circle the drain. <laughs> However, Romo tasks the head of his Praetorian deucing guard, Rawls from the Wire, with looking into Chaikin on the low. At this same time, Lisa's boyfriend, Jughead Jones, breaks up with her and moves back to Riverdale because this has all just gotten too weird for him. <laughs> to make matters worse, Kate Tisch, in an attempt to downplay the tug-of-war allegations, makes an ill-advised Xanax tweet that references the deucing chamber and lets slip that Johnny Romo diverted campaign funds to arrange deucing liaisons and used his contacts in the media to cover it up. The New York State Attorney General announces that she is looking into impeachment against the governor for improper use of the state's sacred DP facilities. <laughs> when it rains, it pours. Longtime ally Andy Sunshine releases a new but deeply misguided parody, Romo parody song Penetration, which of course is sung to the tune of Confrontation from Les Mis, <laughs> which I will attempt to do now. All right, I will be... Will is going to be the part of the Attorney General investigating the deucing scandal, and I will be singing the part of Jean Valjean slash Governor Michael Romo. I don't know how we're going to do the parts where we sing over each other, but let's just... We'll uh, figure it out. We'll figure it out. Okay. I believe in you guys. I think okay. you can do it. Okay. Right, here we go. Okay. I'm, I'm as Javert slash <laughs> Attorney General. Romo, at last we see each other plain. Monsieur Governor, you'll get some different brain. 
before you say another word, AG. Before you chain me up like a slave again. Listen to me, there's someone I must do. This woman leaves behind a surviving mom. Also, me and my brother want to hit. In mercy's name, three holes are all we need. Then I'll resign, I pledge my word. Then I'll resign. You must think me mad. I've hunted you across the years. Men like you can never change. Woman fucked by two. Believe of me, what you will. Men like you. There's a senior who I'm sworn to kill. Men like you can never change. You know nothing of our pipe. No one cut and six foot one. All I did was smell some hair. My duties to the state. You know nothing of these girls. You have no rights. Come with me. They think it's cool I text their friends. Come with me on cut and six foot one. But not before I see my brother bust. Now the state has turned you down. Micromo is nothing now. I am warning you, AG. Dare you talk to me of vibes. We saw you from across this bar. <laughs> oh, there, there's a brother with me yet. No, you're... Oh, uh, and how uh, this isn't gay. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. There's a brother with me yet. Every man does this shit. My place is really fun. Every man must host or pay. I am warning you, AG. You know nothing of AG. I was born inside a club. I'll do anything but be. I was born with scum like you. If I have to do it here, I'll do what must be done. I have seen the brothers deuce. And this I swear to you tonight. There's no place for you to hide. Your Mima will die in senior care. Wherever you may hide away. And I will toss her in a ditch. Both, I swear to you, I, I will, will be there. there. As long as we're on the subject of uh, just sibling threesome-related Les parodies, I mean, another one did come to me, and it goes a little something like this. Look down, look down, you'll see your brother there. Look down, look down, don't look him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> I had... I had um, a beautiful mind-style breakdown trying to find a way to make stars about brother-deucing. <laughs> I hallucinated an entire life for myself in three days. I just... Uh, can we give it up for Will and Felix for doing that? Did the late miss? Did they both do that shit so well? Come on. Come on. Uh, Javert is my favorite character from Les Mis and I think the true hero of the story because... The rules apply to everyone. Yeah. You ever think about how the bread that Valjean stole, like someone who worked could have had that bread and they couldn't get any bread that day? Totally. What's Les Mis? <laughs> what is that? I don't know. I literally have no idea what these people are talking about. I'm cool. <laughs> it's a musical based on the novel Les Miserables by Victor Hugo. Oh, okay. Sounds okay. like nerd shit. No, yeah, thank you. actually, 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 it's sort of like yeah. the coolest uh, story and musical ever created. Yeah, people actually say Victor Hugo was the first rapper. 
Victor Hugo is the original NBA young boy. Yeah. Be a lot of people say that. Uh, okay, back to the film. <laughs> after, after Andy Sunshine's huge bungle, Heather watches all of this, and she can't bear to see the downfall of her husband slash father. She can't bear to see him betrayed, and she takes it upon herself, him, herself to deal with this problem. After all, she is the closer, and it's time to close out a few accounts. Thus begins Act 3. In the next of several hard left turns that this movie has already taken, Chaikin begins a killing spree. <laughs> she has a list, and Andy Sunshine, Kate Tish, and Johnny Romo are all on it. First up is Kate Tish. Chaikin writes a fake suicide note, taking blame for what the media has dubbed Deucing Gate. Tish and her current boyfriend, CEO of BadassSportsGambling.com turn up dead in what appears to be a murder-suicide. Next is Johnny Romo. Unable to share women with his brother, he is on Raya nonstop and falls right into Chaikin's honeypot. She has created a profile of a woman who looks like his brother, which Johnny can't resist. She arranges a meeting and kills him for betraying his brother and embarrassing her family. Yes, of course. Next it's, up... There's squibs in both the, you know, John Wick as killing spree scenes and also in the deucing scenes. <laughs> no, those aren't squibs. Those are 100% real-ass robes. Uh, then, finally, Andy Sunshine is shot with a high-power rifle as he rides through Times Square in an open-top Lincoln Continental. The nation mourns. This is going to be... You know, great films are controversial. Um, I think it will be tough for Americans to watch the most beloved and respected man in America, Josh Gad, be depicted as dying on screen. But I think it creates the kind of buzz that you at A24 are looking for. He will provide his own grunts and squeals. Without the power of brothers sharing women, New York State descends into anarchy. Old people roam free and spread their deadly plague. <laughs> In a last-ditch effort to save his administration, Romo legalizes dogfighting, but it doesn't help. <laughs> Bereft and mourning the loss of his brother, closest aide, and Josh Gad, <laughs> Romo considers resigning to spend more time with his daughter and her friends. <laughs> but Heather won't have it. She demands that he fire his daughter and make her his heir and new deucing partner. Romo has hit rock bottom. And is at this moment, his loyal, his loyal soldier rolls from the wire, reveals to him what he has discovered about Chaikin. She is not just a dopey columnist, but a, a former Mossad wetworks agent <laughs> who is disavowed by the agency for stalking Ehud Barak and then setting him up by arranging him for, for him to travel via a certain private jet. <laughs> Floored that he has been entrapped by this black widow, Romo launches a plan to turn the tables on her. Holding one last brilliant press conference in PowerPoint, Romo goes all in, announcing his resignation and revealing to the public Heather's depredations. Proudly taking ownership of spending money on DPs with his brother for the good of the state and accusing Heather of being in the pocket of the let the elderly live lobby. 
He reads a letter that Andy Sunshine wrote to him before being assassinated. It says that if I am ever killed, I want everyone to know it wasn't you. He is hailed as a hero as he denounces this evil woman who has destroyed what was once the greatest state in America. Quote, she has brought us down to the level of Ohio. But we will rise like a phoenix, looking directly into the camera. Heather, I'm talking to you. I don't like you, never have, and you will never do swimming with me like my brother used to do. He is hailed as a hero, but Chaikin now has nothing to lose as the walls close in on her. She vows revenge and lets Romo know she's coming for him and there is nowhere to hide. <laughs> Romo and his daughter seal themselves in the safest place in all of New York State, the deucing chamber. As Rawls from the wire and 40 of his most loyal state troopers guard the governor's mansion. Here's where the movie takes its final hard left turn. The climax of the film is Chaikin killing 40 state troopers in a massacre reminiscent of the end of Malignant, if any of you have seen that film. She cuts a bloody swath through them and confronts Michael and Lisa Romo, telling them if she can't be in their family, they will be a family together in death. She ties them down and prepares to end their lives. Romo pretends to see the light and says that he wants to join her in deucing Valhalla and begs for one last request, a last meal of fentanyl-laced spaghetti and meatballs <laughs> to send them all to heaven together. Chaikin obliges and feeds them the opiate pasta and chows down herself. Clean plate club. <laughs> Little does she know, Romo has tricked her. He and his entire family have been taking Fent every day because it helps them run the greatest state in America and they deserve it. And then as a result, they have built up an extremely high tolerance and the pasta and meatballs barely fade them. Chaikin falls out. The remaining New York State troopers who are left standing after the horrible massacre converge on the governor's mansion and save Romo and his daughter. However, Jaken's body strangely disappears from the morgue. Cut to two months later. Romo has been vindicated. The people of New York forgive him, and it ends in total vindication. We're sorry. All the women apologize to him, and we all agree that he beat COVID by ripping the Band-Aid off. The movie ends with the people, the media, and the government of New York joining together to serenade Governor Michael Romo to Do you hear the people sing, singing the songs of angry men? There is a world about to start when tomorrow comes. Will you join in our crusade? Something, uh, will you give all that you can so that our banner may advance? It is the music of the people who will not be slaves again. No, New York State will never be enslaved again by the elderly. Thanks to Michael Romo. Aha, aha. But do you think that that beautiful moment of all New York State serenading our wonderful governor who's been proved correct and everyone apologizing to him for doing him wrong is the end of the movie? No. A24, you're listening. What's the hot thing? Post-credit sequence. Here we go. Post-credit sequence. Here's the stinger. Newly elected New York City Mayor Eric Adams 
is dancing the night away at the Sugar Hill Club on Nostrand Avenue in the historic Bedford-Stuyvesant neighborhood of Brooklyn. Dancing and enjoying himself, who should approach him but Heather Chaikin in full Rachel Dolezal mode. Are you gonna buy me a Hennessy, Mr. Mayor? A new game begins. That is our new mayor. That was the daughter's meatballs. Wow. That was the daughter's meatballs, and we are Chapo Trap House, and this has been Warsaw, Brooklyn, our first live show back in the great city of New York. You guys fucking roll. I'm Will Meneker. This is Felix Biederman, Matt Christman, Chris Wade, on the ones and the twos. This has been Chapo Trap House, New York City, live show 2021. We're defeating the Trump virus, one live show at a time. We're gonna play off tonight with what I think, well, go ahead. We're gonna play off tonight with what I, what I, what I regard as the greatest work of popular political art in the last 20 years. Warsaw, Brooklyn, thank you so much. Good night.